Good morning. Good morning. Oh, come on. I know there's not a whole lot of you here, but let's try this again. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I feel much better now. It is wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. It's wonderful to gather together, whether we are here or virtually. Um, just a couple of things before we get started this morning. First of all, um, yesterday, um, Ross Worth and Tabitha Patchett were joined in marriage, and they're here today, and so let's, uh, let's celebrate that um, as they begin this uh, new adventure in life. Um, and um, we will be here to support them in that as they uh, bring a blended family together and um, they seek to honor God with their love for one another. As we join together this day, let us uh, begin. Oh, I guess I ought to mention too, since last week I started off talking about um, the fact that um, uh, Margaret was in the hospital, um, that she's still in the hospital, but she is doing much better today, uh, Margaret Shimmer. She's doing much better. They're talking about rehab, and so um, we, we want to celebrate, um, celebrate that. Many of the folks, again, within our congregation who have had COVID or experienced complications from COVID, um, I, I think that we're all on the men and we're all headed um, in, in a direction of healing, and so for that, we give thanksgiving. Um, and so uh, let us, as we gather this day, begin to focus um, our minds and our hearts on God. Let us come together in anticipation of encountering Christ afresh and anew as we gather in this Advent season, as we come in anticipation of the company that is coming, of Christ who will come afresh and anew into our hearts. Now let us come with that anticipation that, he, that, that God will come to continue to shape us and form us so that we might be his hands and feet in the world. And so let us celebrate this day, Christ's presence with us as we sing, O come, O come, all ye faithful.
And now we will join together as we light the Advent candles here, and we invite you at home if you have uh, Advent candles to join us in this celebration. We want everything to look nice. Christmas trees, lights, wreaths, ribbons, whether at home or in the sanctuary. We want to lighten the darkness around us, bring beauty into the ugliness that wears us down. Often our decorations lift our hearts and make us feel like children again. We deck the halls because company is coming. The prophet Isaiah must have smiled when he said, God will give a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. He understood that God was inviting the people to prepare and participate for the new thing God was about to do. We light these candles as a symbol of the joy we experience when we share God's love and grace with others. We light this candle of joy because the company we are expecting is Emmanuel, God with us. O come, O come, o come Emmanuel. Emmanuel.
please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, come. Come into our homes. Make them a place of peace. Lord Jesus, come into our work that our hands may bring love through our occupation. Lord Jesus, come through our recreation that even in our playtime, your name is exalted. Lord Jesus, come into all of our relationships that we may build each other up, strengthen and sharpen one another to be your empowered people. Lord Jesus, come into our hearts and lives that your kingdom may be seen, your love may be experienced, your mission may be continued through us, your people. We are here, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Amen. Well, our houses are decorated, right? The church is decorated, the sanctuary is decorated, the streets and the park are decorated, right? We are ready for a celebration, aren't we? We are ready to sing, deck the halls, enjoy to the world. Or are we? Or are we? You know, I think on this day when we light the candle of joy, that it is a good day for us to reflect on what it is that we're looking forward to celebrating when Christmas Day arrives. I don't know about you, but um, I know if I'm honest with myself, so often I think of this time, this Christmas holiday, as just being a joyous time because it is an opportunity to gather together as family. But you know, um, when I became a pastor, um, I found it harder to get ready for Christmas. This sounds difficult, or this sounds weird, doesn't it? I had to come to grips with the reality is that oftentimes that's really what I saw the joy and the celebration of Christmas being is just a time for family to get together. And sometimes as a pastor, I have to be honest, I begin to look at, can we get all of this over because my family time comes after Christmas? Can we just get through Christmas Eve so I can have my family time and celebrate? Wow. Maybe the pastor needs an attitude adjustment. What do you think? Maybe, maybe this reflection is just for me. Maybe the rest of you don't need to reflect on what is it that we are getting ready to celebrate. When we say, deck the halls, and we say we want to sing joy to the world, what is it that we are coming forth to celebrate? I think sometimes just within the world, in fact, we do see it as a time for families to gather together. That's why this season is one of the most difficult for many people. In fact, it's one of the highest frequencies of, of people who are suffering from uh, depression and thoughts of suicide because I think the rest of the world seems to say uh, the season is all about gathering as family. The rest of the world seems to be uh, saying that we just want to celebrate for uh, even if it's a momentary celebration. 
as if we're trying to forget what's going on in the world. And so what is it that we are looking forward to celebrating? What is it that we are preparing for? Well, I, uh, I, I think that uh, our lection reading today comes from Isaiah 61. And so uh, I'm going to read um, this passage from Isaiah uh, 61. And um, Dustin, I'll warn you, I decided to read the verses that were left out, just so you're aware. I just like to make sure Dustin's on his toes every now and then. Hear these words from Isaiah 61. Remember that this is a passage of Scripture that was, um, that, that was written to Israel, that, that was meaningful to Israel after, the return of, um, after they had returned from exile in Babylon. Uh, they had come back with great hopes, uh, hopes that the temple would be rebuilt and, and it would be restored to its original uh, uh, glory, and yet it was written in this time when the temple was still not rebuilt where the people who had come back were still experiencing a persecution. They were experiencing this internal division as to what was going on. They were disappointed and disillusioned because of the circumstances that they were in. And these are the words that came uh, through Isaiah 61. The Lord God's Spirit is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and a day of vindication by our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown in place of ashes, oil of joy in places of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord to glorify himself. They will build the ancient ruins and they will restore formerly deserted places. They will renew ruined cities, places deserted in generations past. Foreigners will stay and shepherd their sheep and strangers will be farmers and vine dressers. They will be called the priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. They will say about you that you, uh, you feed on the wealth of nations, that you are glorified by others. Instead of shame, their portion will be doubled. Instead of dis disgrace, they will rejoice over their share. They will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be their theirs. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and dishonesty. I will faithfully give them their wage and make them an enduring covenant. Their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants among the peoples. All who see them will recognize that they are a people blessed by the Lord. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom in a priestly crown, and like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, as a garden grows its seed, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all nations. Everyone with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day. Now, you know, it is easy for us to hear 
this passage. I think maybe in the way that it was probably heard in those original hearers and even in the people in the first century. Uh, we, we know that this is a passage that is attributed uh, to speaking about the Messiah. And yet, um, if we aren't careful... This is how we hear this message. We hear this promise of deliverance that uh, when we look at the mess that we are in, we hear this promise of deliverance that God is coming to deliver His people. God is, is coming to deliver the people of Israel who are oppressed. The people of Israel who... Are no longer have the power and privilege, and, and God is coming to rebuild their ruins, to rebuild their temple, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, to raise it back up to prominence so that it will be exalted, and so God's people will be exalted like in the times of David, and that God's people will rule on the earth, and then we will rejoice and be glad Because we have been given this position of privilege and power and all will come to the people of God to be under the reign of God. If we are not careful, that is the way we hear this passage. I think it is the way that the original listeners heard it. I think it's the way that the first century Jewish people heard this passage. But for us on the other side of Christ, really, that's not the way we should hear this passage, is it? Because we know that this scripture came to fulfillment in Christ. And we know that Christ did not come to lay claim to power and privilege. And we know that Christ, that Jesus was not exalted with a crown and a throne, but he was exalted on a cross. He was exalted through uh, uh, suffering and death. And so it should cause us to look at this passage uh, a little bit deeper. And so I want us to actually um, look at this passage by starting at the end and working our way backwards. Now that's a strange way to look at a passage of Scripture. But let's begin, if we look at the end of this passage... It says, I, well, if we look at the very last verse, it says that as the earth puts out its growth and the garden grows its seeds, so God will grow righteousness and praise before all nations. It is saying here that in the end, all nations will behold God's goodness. They will see what it looks like to live in union with God. It says that the people of God rejoice in the Lord. And yes, they rejoice because they have been delivered by God. They rejoice because God has delivered them from their bondage and God has raised them up. He has delivered them from something. But it also says that they rejoice because God has clothed them and wrapped them in righteousness. In other words, God has also saved His people for something. God ha- uh, God's desire is to transform and change and shape His people so that they live in such a way that it reveals who God is and what God is about. The people are called to rejoice not because of their situation, not because of personal pleasure. They are not called to rejoice because they have some superficial emotion of happiness or some temporary uh, feeling of happiness. 
They're invited to rejoice because they have a joy that is deeply rooted in this assurance that the struggles and the disappointments of the present day will one day be redeemed by God. It is a a joy and a rejoicing that comes because we trust and have faith in God and what God has done. It, It is a rejoicing that comes because we ourselves have experienced a salvation. We have experienced a deliverance from those things which bind us. We continue to experience that deliverance as we allow the Spirit to work in us. And we look at our own lives And we see what God has done in us through the Spirit in shaping us and changing us. And we see that we are becoming the people God intended us to be, and so we rejoice. But you see, this this, um, we rejoice because God has indeed exalted and will exalt His people. And yet, It is not that God exalts us to a position of privilege or power. It is that God exalts His people into a position of responsibility. See, the clue comes from... from, for us when we look at, I I think it's verse 6 where it says, we will be called the priest of the Lord and ministers of God. It doesn't say that we will be called kings and rulers and dictators and presidents. It says that we will be called priests of the Lord and ministers of God. What does a priest do? A priest mediates between the divine, between God and humanity. A, A priest teaches and expresses the ways of God, lives out the ways of God. A priest facilitates human flourishing by enabling people to get out from underneath their their guilt, by enabling people to experience the forgiveness of God, by enabling people to become all God intended them to be. And so this exaltation is not a claim to to power and privilege. It is not about celebrating because of our own good fortune. But it is because we, we will have the opportunity, we will be invited to rebuild ancient ruins, to restore deserted places, to renew ruined cities. And so this This promise of restoration and redemption is not just about our churches. It's not just about the people of God. It is about redeeming and restoring a broken and fallen world. It is about participating with God in redeeming and restoring all things to Himself, not just us. And this is accomplished Not by grabbing for power. Not by exercising our might. But it is accomplished by being like Jesus and being a servant of God. 
It is accomplished by being the people of God, by allowing the Spirit to anoint us so that we might participate in announcing the good news, so that we might not just say and announce, but that we might enact this good news of Isaiah 61. We might participate in setting those free who have been oppressed in fighting against injustice, we might participate in healing those whose hearts are broken and whose lives have fallen apart. That we might participate in releasing people from whatever binds them, whether it is addictions or, or whether it is their worship of power or money or privilege or whatever else it might be. We accomplish this by acting in the same way that Christ acted. And so, if we hear this passage of Isaiah 61 today, maybe it will shape our thoughts about what it is we are getting ready to celebrate. Why it is we sing Deck the Halls or joy to the world. By calling for us to, uh, by lighting a candle of joy, by um, decorating, by singing joy to the world, we are not saying that we are unaware of the difficulties that are around us. We are not suggesting that we just try to sweep them under the rug momentarily and, and just pretend like all is well and, and be happy for a season. We are not oblivious to what is going on in the world. And we don't think that we have our act wholly together either. But we are saying, despite the fact that we see the mess, despite the fact that we know that we contribute to it and we need to confess and repent and allow God to work in our, our own lives, despite the fact that we know these things, we choose to live with hope. We choose to embrace this vision and mission in Isaiah 61. We know we know that when God shows up, when God reveals Himself in a fresh and anew, just as He revealed Himself in Jesus on that first Christmas and in those first three years, or those, first, those three years of ministry of Jesus, we know that when God shows up and reveals Himself, when He touches lives, that He indeed brings healing to all whom He touches. And so, this Christmas, let us prepare to celebrate. Not because God has come and is promising us a position of power and might, or that God is going to eliminate and make all of our situations well. But let us celebrate because we are ready to embrace the responsibility of being the people of God. We are ready to participate in God's mission to redeem and reclaim and restore all of creation.
by being Jesus' hands and feet. And so indeed, let us sing, deck the halls. Let us sing joy to the world. Because we know that God is coming afresh and anew into our lives and into the world. And we know it will make a difference. Amen. Now you are invited in this time. You, you are invited in this time to respond to however the Spirit might nudge you. I invite you, if you were at home, if you're here, um, I invite you uh, to take this time to offer up your tithes and your gifts to God. But I also invite you, more than that, to open up your lives, to reflect upon what it is that you are looking forward to celebrating this Christmas.
And now, as we prepare to go forth, having heard God's word this day, may we indeed continue to prepare for the coming guest, for the coming of the Christ who comes afresh and anew. May we go forth to allow the Spirit to work in us so that we might be God's hands and feet in our community and the world. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.